Welcome to Triskelion. The jump point technology allowed the Triskelion species to explore distant stars. Tachyon warp drive was comparatively slow and would take lifetimes to reach anything other than neighboring stars. With jump technology, the Triskelion were only limited by the gates that they could find. What, or who, had created these jump points? Were they natural phenomena? Were pilots' minds accessing an alien technology? Was that why jump space influenced or altered pilots' consciousness while other minds simply collapsed? Pilots who could navigate the jump were rare, and the more jumps in sequence, the more difficult the mental stress was on the pilots. Most pilots retired to peaceful sanitariums after brief careers, but there were elite-trained deep space pilots who developed closely guarded meditation techniques to weather the alien assault of that strange dimension. Some X-factor of the mind allowed them to navigate those black oceans while passengers frozen in cryopods rode out the non-Euclidean physics. Three prominent woven quotes on jumping. Quote number one. All non-essential military personnel are under navigator's authority to submerge in the cryospheres when so ordered by the helm. Failure to comply with the navigator, irrespective of rank, is a court-martial offense. Woven House Code of Conduct. United Decagia Hunting Pack. Quote number two. Once you've jumped outside a cryosphere, you'll always recognize another jumper. It's like you both see the absence of something in each other's eyes. Something left behind in that hallucinogenic fold in space. Double jump pilot Karen Talenda, House Serrated Claws. Interviewed on Hello Rim Wolvenka, It's a Beautiful Dawn Rising morning show. Wolven quote number three. Off the port star. Slang. Wolven sailor expression of enthusiasm for deep space exploration. Today, we glimpse the Triskelion's foremost deep space pilot ruminating on retirement. Triskelion 07. The Lone Wolven Triptych. I knew this was my last cup of rack joy. I'd slithered along the dusty bottom just long enough for my soul to realize that's all there was to life on the ground. I was gutless and shameless, so I was here to take one last loving look at the one thing on this colonial outpost closest to a hook. I'd reached the final exit before resigning myself to the easy downslope of my willfully chosen addiction and alcoholism. I'd stopped to collapse on a no-name little hillside. I picked it for the view. The slope was angled gently enough to let me flop down amid the four-foot-tall whisk of grass. I comfortably got lost from view in the tall grass and looked at the thin black line disappearing up into the noon sky. I put my muzzle into the cup and snuffled a bit more rack joy. It stung my sinuses, but good. The low quality was considered by some aficionados, like myself, the true high quality, one of those rare inversions where the universe took pity on the poverty of outcasts and tossed us a damn boon. Ah, no bone. I recognized my laugh had a slight insensate quality, a jagged edge that didn't wholly come from the rack joy. <laughs> but enough of it did. It was already hitting me. A soft breeze ruffled through my fur. The rack joy crystals scraped their way up my muzzle. The sharp buggers put the chems in quickly, maybe even faster than my lungs' rapid delivery system. That muzzle burn was the rack in rack joy. Honestly, I think the muzzle pain was half the rush. Planet Atmos's needle-like tether stared at me through the wobbly rush of rack joy. 
Its center was composed of liquid diamond. Well, it wasn't really liquid or diamond, but it sparkled and was remarkably flexible and tough, so that's what we called it, the liquid diamond tether of planet Atmos. Spacers loved it. Easy ticket down to a colonial world with all the trimmings. Just ride the tether's tube from orbit to the surface. Most of us congregated inside of it. Quite the little woven town with rack and bitches and wine and song. All any woven spacer could want. But it wasn't the needle that attracted me, despite the glam and the spectacular defiance of gravity. The needle stabbed at the heart of spacer life. It pierced the sky. I took a breath and steeled myself. I had to dig deeper. If I was going to really choose, and not just start drinking liquor and pass out again, I had a lifetime of drugged out addled not thinking ahead of me. And I look forward to it. But this once, this one conscious time, before I got started on this lifetime bender, I wanted to pretend I was navigating the course of my life. To do that, I had to dig deeper. This last time, I would let their dead bodies wash over my mind. I would let them silently pound against myself, my conception of self, who I was, who I thought I was, and, of course, most of all, what I had done. Damn it, let's be honest. I knew that was a jump too far. We could have surrendered. We could have docked the ship and let the recall board us. They had taken prisoners. It wasn't guaranteed that we would die. I didn't want to take the risk. I really didn't, but I didn't want to die, and, and, damn it, if I can't tell the truth to myself. I knew I would survive. At that moment when it was jump or surrender, I chose jump. I knew I would survive, and I knew my pack would not. My heart pounded. I felt nauseous. That was the moment, the moment where I flipped everything. Everything turned on its head. I preferred a coward's life to a soldier's death. No matter how hard I tried to wish that memory away, the moment I hit the last commit button to go to the third jump could not be snuffled away by rack joy. In that half a second, that damned split second, where I had made a decision to execute my own pack, I stood revealed, myself staring at my murderous self. I wasn't going to risk my life when I could just jump away. <laughs> it wasn't fair. Jumping is who I am. For God to put me in that situation, he must have wanted to send me to the sixth hell. What else would a jumper do but jump? <sighs> Rackjoy put me on an endless repeating memory loop. I slosh loop de loop de masochistic loop. New captain, new brothers and sisters. Their blood vessels burst. Bloody brain bits floated across the cabin coming out of the third jump. This was the twist in my gut that Rackjoy could never quite blot out. Not with the bloody eyes and the bloody brains flopping spasmodically around my memory. I was the oh-so-famous woven who could do a triple jump and keep my marbles inside my head and my brains inside my skull. They cheered me. Three-quarters of the crew would never return to space, and they cheered me. But the recall hadn't pursued us into woven territory, and I was left with the voices in my head. The intra-jump always cried to me now, that animal almost sentient, mournful ululation that careened inside jump space that only I could ever hear. Now I always hear it whenever I lay me down to sleep. Not when I pass out, though. That's just blank. That's just fine. 
Since that third jump, an entire woven crew posted inside my head, and somehow all their knowledge joined my psychosis. Here are the phantasms who died and took up residence in my soul. Captain's brain hemorrhaged. Captain Greytuff, we called him, because of the vain pompadour chin hair. I heard him laugh at that. He was in on the joke. Third jump drive engineer fright. I never even met him. Now I saw this gentle gray furred woven in my mind with a calm, quiet voice with lists of formulae that now rabbit jump to my thoughts whenever I look at Mobius manifold coils. Gallihan Mictal of House Karak in the Noon entered last. Mictal survived the third jump and proceeded to chop up everyone in cryostasis in the galley bunks as soon as the triple jump ended. Yet Mictal's voice trilled softly within me. I don't think the phantasm had any memory of what she'd done between the time she gutted the galley crew up until the moment soldiers plasmed her. I, the father, shushed them with rack joy when the guilt started to scream and made bludgeoning my head against the wall seem like a good idea. Were they in any way real, or had the jump just slid their information in my head and the guilt did the rest? That was the part that didn't make sense. That was the part that wasn't just tied up with the guilt like the rest of me. The third jump gave birth to something more inside. Some remnant slipped into my neural net, who knows, through the computer wave, through whatever, whoever it is that roams out there in the jumps between the jumps. Looking at the liquid diamond tether stabbed at me for the hundredth time, and this once I wouldn't look away. Up that tether and onto a ship and back between space again. After that debacle, why in the seven hells was jump space calling me? I found myself holding the knife to my palm. Eating the pain as blood made a mess of my fur. Just a trickle. A trickle more wouldn't hurt, right? Miktal pulled the knife slowly back. I could override. It was my paw, after all. But I just don't have the right. I'd already killed her once. Yet, I wanted to drink to end those ghosts and end this pain. Those who had survived irreparably damaged. Don't they deserve vengeance? I could be a forgotten bum here on this little no-name hill and take all these voices with me down into the gutter, or I was going to inject that space needle into my vein. Would I be murdering them a second time if I shed these delusions interjump? What kind of hell would there be for me? Murder and murder again, or would I end up in some weird jump space, an infinite loop where I murdered myself and stuck myself interjump with unmurderable ghosts ad infinitum? Uh, this nonsense talk was rack-joyed guilt. A campfireside bogey tail being lost forever in jump space. I stared at the space needle relentlessly until I got an answer from it, until it gave up and punctured my soul. Staying dirt side, I'd rush headlong to the inevitable overdose. Decide, I mumbled. Was I talking to my ghost crew or myself? Both. Triptych. Hmm. Planet Atmos did a rack joy infused spin around me. Still, not enough rack. Never enough. Triptych. Wait, that's not one of my crew in my head. I turned my head up the slope, and a young wolven stood there. I sniffed out a paternal stink on him, even though clearly he was just entering adulthood. Now that's an odd coupling. A youthful father. His fur matted across his left cheek like he'd just woken up or just didn't give a damn what people thought. His fur pattern was 90 black, 10 golden with a thumb-claw-sized golden patch on the top of his muzzle. A pretty boy, if he didn't look so deadly serious, and simultaneously shabby. He must have slept in that spacer uniform. Mm. Bloodstains decorated the sleeves like ghoulish military braiding. 
A faint odor of feces, body sweat, and blood hung about him. The kind of smell soldiers had the day after. But over that, he secreted a father's unmistakable stink. Odd. Of course he knew my name. Every spacer knew the name Triptych, the famous triple-jumping wolven. And spacers always gathered around the liquid diamond needle going up into the sky to where every spacer's heart home was. Or was he something else? Was I mistaking the smell of leadership with the smell of vengeance? Damn it, too much rack joy in my muzzle. I wasn't ready to fight. And I wasn't ready to bare my neck in abject surrender. Not without a hell of a lot of liquor first. I wouldn't be snuffling rack joy hidden in tall grass if I wanted to face consequences, damn it. Had a family member of the dead or disabled finally come to take my choice out of my claw? This pup's appearance had somehow tilted the scales. I wouldn't binge myself out on this damn mud ball. Not slithering half-passed out in the filthy dirt. I had to leave this ground and leap up into the jump space. My head space. Serving, pushing, being, expanding, touching. Each dead simulacrum in my brain grabbed the feeling and squeezed. All my guilt ghosts heaved like a tugboat hauling a star cruiser out of the upper atmosphere to float free, to float off the port star. Last time, Triptych, my name is Krunka, and you will talk to me, or I will force you to listen. <laughs> I grinned at the youthful voice of doom. This boy is delightful. A lilt of desperation tracer fire accompanied his commanding staccato tone. It was a kind of parody of my pain. No, an echo. No, an answering peal. A dissonant cracked bell peal. This young wolven was a bell that should not be cracked, too newly minted. I looked into his eyes, his father eyes, and knew that crack, that pain was real. Whatever had shoved him into the role of a father in his house had made that crack, and it was fresh, not yet scarified. His pain had not yet had time to erode its edges in the gravel of what remained of his persona, as mine had sunk underneath the rack joy. Inside me, Captain Tuff spoke. He's a good kid. The weight is there. He is carrying it. Fright grunted assent within me. Captain shot back with a definitive broadside. Pride and firmness of resolve became an alien lump in my chest. His Tuff's feelings intruded. The captain carries. Only death will break a captain. And even then, his crew will bear forward with his soul. That is the captain's secret gift. This one knows it. You mangy lying bastard. You just met him. You can't tell me. The pup called Kronka said softly, suddenly dangerous. What can't I tell you? How much of that drug have you had? Violence dripped from his voice. Like a tree cracking as it fell, so peace departed. I yipped. Whoa, whoa. No harm, men. I didn't want this. I didn't want violence. Never again. Yes, I'm triptych. Yes, I can spatially calculate a triple jump. And yes, I triple jump with the crew, not in cryosleep. I know that. I followed the trial. You were exonerated. Captain ordered it. Captain Tuff's empathy shouted between the walls of my skull. What have I been telling you, Triptych? Pay attention to that, young Captain. Even if you won't listen to me. I winced, which earned me another odd look from the pup. He paused and went on. Your Captain was right. Oddly enough, Captain Tuff went radio silent in my head at that. The pup father said, That recall ship was the Pleistah congregation. They don't take Wolven aboard. Ever. Completely fanatical after the Battle of Pleus. This serendipitous little pup had been too influential in a decision that was mine, and mine alone to make. What do you want? 
To make up for my curtness, I extended the cup. He grasped the cup and dipped his muzzle, taking a polite snuffle. That small a hit, and he'd barely feel it. Now it was the pup's turn to wince. Where's that rack joy come from? <coughs> Barnacles from a sea ship? <laughs> You're welcome. What do you want from me? You obviously searched me out. He straightened up for a moment. I am House Limitless Night Sky. It would have come across more dignified if the spicy burn of cheap rack joy hadn't burgled away his dignity. He wiped furiously at his tear ducts. Noob. Then it dawned on me how he had said it. How he had proclaimed his house. I am House Limitless Night Sky. I stood up and brushed the whisk grass off my trousers. What the hell? What the hell? No one, and I mean no one, announces their house like that unless they are the Patriarch, with a capital T-H-E. And I had heard of House LNS. Well-respected explorers and tough as nails. Quite a few lizard skins painted on their ship, if I remember the records. I banged my head trying to remember who the Patriarch was. Fright supplied. Patriarch Krupta, and captain, of course. They ranked 12th in the Explorers League and 41st in defense. Completely reputable. Five full stars on record and profitable. That makes even less sense, Fright. Then the pup captain lowered the boom. My brother and I are all that's left of the Spacer House Limitless Night Sky. There may be some planet-bound collective somewhere. Not relevant or relative, if you take my meaning. What happened, I said. Too blunt, McTall admonished in my head. The captain pup said, disease. It was an assault. I'd heard Recall would plant bioweapons on colonies, but not since the treaty. Human merchants. Now that made me pause. Human? Well, huh. I don't know much about human merchants. Most of my time out of our space was in Recall or Uncharted, but I'd heard some of their merchants were armed heavily. They hired Silurian marks with railguns. My condolences, Captain Pup said. So, you see. See what? I couldn't help him. I didn't know where human merchants ran. He woofed, exasperated. That small woven huff the cheeks that was meant to tell me that I needed mental reparative therapy. The Captain Pup said, I have House LNS in orbit. The Den Mothership has a normal crew of 12, with a passenger allotment for 100 plus. It's just me and my brother, chief and only engineer. I need a jump brain, pilot, navigator, plotter. Triptych, I need you. We need Den Brothers. Rare bit from God. My jump brain howled. A new house. My inner crew were dancing jigs over my attempt to think of objections. This is a ghost ship. Take it, you bloody fool! Captain Greytuff barked from the land of the dead. I asked, what's our destination? Captain Kyle said, first, we need more crew. And then vengeance. Then, off the port star. He gave a whimsical shrug and his bloody epaulets shimmered. Somehow... Some God-blessed way, an impish smile played across the young captain's muzzle, in defiance of his tragedy, in defiance of his stated lust for vengeance. Somewhere, beneath it all, the unadulterated joy of the unknown hid within this young patriarch, biding its time. But the grin was gone so fast I couldn't be sure. Nevertheless, it made me want to serve in his command, made me want to grin like that again. Fright echoed my surge of hope, as if dusting off my spirit from where it lay forgotten in my dreamscape. Off the port star! But I knew it was too good to be true. Are you crazy, Fright? I know deep chart exploring is what we wanted, but this is a ghost ship in search of vengeance. Just smell him. Look at his eyes. Who was I kidding? I had come here to make a choice. 
dose on liquor and rack joy on the public dole, or go back out there. For me, I know, there are no other options. I woof the chuckle at my own pretentiousness. Someday, evidently not today, I'll learn to be honest. I had made my choice as soon as my body led me to this hillside view of Atmos's liquid diamond space needle that punctured the limitless night sky. With just a day of sobriety, my head ached and my muzzle dripped full of snot. The limitless night sky purred and docked on the far side of the needle. Ghost ship didn't do it justice. It smelled like a ship of the damned. The old patriarch was locked up in a holding room, hosed down and fed twice a day, gibbering mad. The decks were splattered with blood. It hadn't been a biotech, but the pup. Our captain, my tough voice corrected. Our pup hadn't precisely said that. Captain Krunka had just said they had been attacked. This tableau greeted me after I was signed on and aboard. Scandal like this, loss of profit, loss of crew, maybe even get the ship impounded. The old patriarch crouched on the floor, fingering a golden sculpture star map. That trophy crawled in everyone's head here. So much terror on the ship. Somehow that little artifact resulted in crew murdering each other and some being spaced. I couldn't make out the jump points etched into gold. He who had been father kept it cradled up. While I'd be their jump brain, I had no desire for vengeance. I sure as the seven hells wasn't going to risk touching that damn bauble. My crew decamped in my head now had a berth, a nav chair, and an adventure to live somewhere far off the port star, where all my ghosts could wander free.